Shalom Aleichem, everyone. Welcome. I have your attention for a minute. Um, tonight is the yard site of Ziba Faruzan, Rivka Bas of Yoshua. And it is a great honor to have the whole family here, to Paul Yisrael, who have dedicated tonight's uh, breakfast in, her, in honor of her neshama. I just wanted to um, talk a little bit about the meaning of the ninth of Av as it relates to this coming Shabbat, which is also called the Shabbat of Comfort. comfort. It's a little bit strange because we know that Noi, the ninth of Av, is the greatest descent of the Jewish people. And the, the Shabbat is called the Shabbat of Comfort, which represents the comfort of the coming of Mashiach, the comfort of the true and complete redemption, the everlasting joy and happiness, which seems to be very, very different to to the uh, day of Noi, the day of Ninth of Av, which is all about, it seems, all about uh, destruction. It's working? Yeah. Thanks. There was a great tzaddik, his name was Abhaim Yosef David Azulai. And he um, was once talking to his community on the ninth above, and he noticed that all the women in the community, they uh, had this custom that when it came midday, came the afternoon of the ninth above, everyone would get up, they'd go home, they'd wash their floor, wash their whole house, and they would prepare as if Passover was coming. And he thought that wasn't really correct because the ninth above is not a time to celebrate. He didn't understand why they were doing it. So he said to them, you know, it is not according to every opinion, not according to everyone, is this appropriate? You shouldn't really wash your floors on the ninth above. And then you heard one woman say to another woman, one woman said to the other, I guess Mashiach isn't coming this year. The rabbi said we shouldn't get ready for Mashiach this year. In other words, the reason they were washing their floors was because they were sure that after... You want to move this machitza over? You want to move this thing over? It's going to require a little more effort tonight. Why don't I push, push them over? Press that up for a second? Move it over? Thanks. So, um, so the reason they were washing their floors wasn't because they were disregarding the... Uh, the tragedy of the ninth of Av was the opposite. They felt on the ninth of Av is a time to prepare for Mashiach. And the truth is that they were right. And the Chidah immediately instituted in his town that from now on everyone should wash their floors and prepare on, on the midday of the ninth of Av. Everyone should get ready and, and celebrate and prepare for coming Mashiach. Why? There's a rule in life. It's called this. Aval Payin Bad Bala. After a descent, there is an ascent. Not only does the ascent follow the descent, but the whole purpose of the descent in the first place is to get to the ascent. The Talmud says of this story, the Talmud says that Rabbi Akiva was once walking together with a bunch of rabbis, and they came to the Temple Mount. I don't know if you saw the news last night, but everyone's talking about this fox that was on the Temple Mount. Why are we, talk, why are we interested in a fox why are we interested in this uh, Rubah that went to the Temple Mount? Why, why, why is there such an interest in this? It all goes back to the story. 
the rabbis are walking together and they see a fox and all the rabbis start to cry. Why? Rabbi Kiva, one of the rabbis, starts to laugh. And they look at him and they say, why are you laughing? And he looks at them and he says, why are you crying? He says, what do you mean why are we crying? This was the holiest place of the world. This is a place that the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Bazar, the greatest Kohen, he came here once a year on Kippur. This is the holiest place and now a fox is over here. And Rabbi Kiva says, that's why I'm laughing. Why are you laughing? He said, there's two prophecies. There's a prophecy of Uriah and a prophecy of Zachariah. He said, until the prophecy of the destruction was fulfilled, I didn't know if the other prophecy of the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash, of the coming Mashiach, where it says that men and women, old and young, will come in the streets of Yerushalayim and they will laugh and they will sing. I didn't know if it was really going to happen. But now I see how the destruction of the temple happened in such, in this way, I know this prophecy will happen. So the rabbis respond and they say, Rabbi Akiva, you have, you have comforted us. Rabbi Akiva, you have comforted us. That's what they said. That's a story. The story leaves us with a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Your last Jew in Los Angeles for film, you could do it. It's still two minutes. Doctor, want to wrap him up? All right. So, the, uh, the question is this. It doesn't make sense. It's true that after the temple is destroyed, eventually Mashiach is going to come. But right now, the temple was destroyed. Why should he, why should people laughing now? Why is he celebrating now, when now is a time when it's the opposite? Why is he laughing? And also, what does the keeping mean when he said, I don't, I didn't know if it was going to be true? How can he not know if it's true? It's, it's the words of the Torah. What did he, what did he, what did he doubt? What did he, didn't understand? Anyone didn't put on filling yet? There's still another two minutes put on filling. Catch the, uh, catch the last two minutes. The special time. The Talmud says this story. There was a man who was plowing his field on the day the temple was destroyed. He didn't know the temple was destroyed. He's plowing his field. And all of a sudden his cow makes a very strange sound. The cow goes, makes a sigh, it's a shriek. And a Bedouin Arab was passing by. The Arab was actually Elijah the prophet, El Navi. But he was dressed like a, as an Arab. And he, the Arab, Eliyahu tells the man, stop plowing your field, stop. Why? He says, because there's just been a tragedy, the temple is just destroyed, it's not a time to plow your field. He puts the plow down, and then the cow makes another sound. He says, what's this? He says, pick your plow up, continue. Why? He said, because the Mashiach was just born. At the same moment that the destruction of the temple happened, that exact same moment Hashem planted the seed for the future. But why at the same moment? Why at that same second that Hashem prepared the coming of Mashiach? There's a, Hebrew, there's a word in Hebrew, Gisha. Gisha means your approach. There's another word in Hebrew, which is Lahasik, which means to be successful. Piruzi, to be successful, to be victorious. Another word which means the approach, the way you look at things. These two words have the same root. The word lahasig, to reach, to be successful, has the same root as the word gisha, which means approach. It all has to do with the way we think. The way we approach things, 
that really changes and really defines what's going on. This guy who was assigned by his company to uh, go to Africa. He went to some city in, in Nairobi, Kenya, somewhere in Nairobi. He was assigned to represent his company. He was selling shoes. He sends an email back to his company. He says, guys, this is the wrong place to sell shoes. There's no one here who wears shoes. No one wears shoes. It's a bad place to sell shoes. So he goes back. Another representative of the company comes back the next year. After he's there for a day, he sends an email to his company, very excited. He says, this is the best place in the world to sell shoes. Not one person here has shoes. This is the best place. So it has to do a lot with our approach. The way we look at things. The way we look at things really defines what's going on. Our perception, our approach really changes the scenario. During World War II, during the Holocaust, there was a group of Jews who were Ahmed's son in Auschwitz, and they were working in this, uh, creating munitions for the German war machine. And among the people there working there was a Ger Chassid, and this Ger Chassid was, had, as everyone else did, had to work for 12 hours in the machine. But unfortunately, this man whose name was Label Kupner, Label Kupner, he, uh, he saw the machine broke, and the Nazi told, called all the Jews together. The Nazi said, everyone go back to the barracks, except for you. Label, he called by his numbers, he called by his name. You stay here, you fix the machine. You're not going until the machine is fixed. But how is he not to fix the machine? What tools does he have to fix the machine? He says, the Nazi says, a Jew could. Jews are able. Jews can do things. You will fix this machine. So Label stayed in the barracks, stayed in the factory, and he kept on working and working on this machine, on opening it up, trying whatever he could, whatever he thought. And miraculously, a total miracle of God, the next morning, the Nazi comes, and the machine is working. The Nazi couldn't believe it. The Nazi, he, it's one thing to ask, it's one thing to demand, it's one thing to... to uh, beat someone, if they don't do the right thing, if they don't do what they want, but they, how did it work? How did he fix it? So Nazi looks, the Nazi's eyes are open wide, he can't believe it. And the Jew says to him, pay me. Pay me. It's a very foolish thing you think about to say to a Nazi. The Nazi could kill him in a second, he says, pay me. And Nazi says, what do you want? He says, give me a cigarette. Nazi took out an Auschwitz, I was considered a very, very uh, precious commodity. He takes all the cigarettes in his pocket, a whole pa package of cigarettes, gives it to the Jew, and he runs away. He ru the Nazi runs away. The Jew, this label Kupner, he realized this was a time that Hashem wanted him to show the other Jews that he was with that Jewish people are not, are not kuchik. We're not small. We're not, we're not, uh, malach. We're not grasshoppers. This was a moment. And he stood up, and he told all the Jews together, he says, Jews can, a Yid can, a Jew could. This is something that we saw by Ziba in an unbelievable way. Ziba, it didn't matter what was going on. It didn't matter what the circumstance was. It didn't matter what the odds were. It didn't matter to her if this was someone that she knew, someone she never met, someone who lived across the world, Someone who, was, who she never would meet ever, whatever, 
that whatever was going on, somehow she was able to make miracles. I don't know if this is a sacrilegious to say this or not, but Maimonides talks about eight levels of giving charity. Maimonides says, one level of giving charity is someone asks you to give, someone asks you for help and you give them not as much as they're, they're asking for. You give them, you give them a little bit more, you give them a smile, you give them a loan. The highest level of charity, Maimonides says, the highest level of charity, Maimonides says, is, is to give someone a job. Why? Because you're able to help someone stand on their feet. Help them stand on their feet, and that's, that's the highest level of charity. But that's as high as it goes. Giving someone a job, the man says it's as high as it goes. You can't do more than giving someone a job down that now they can stand on their feet. But Rivka Bat Yoshua one-upped Maimonides in two ways, in two directions. She was actually born the same day as Maimonides, the day before Passover. She did something that is beyond what Maimonides says to do. It's not only human being could do. Maimonides says, someone needs help, give them help up to stand on their feet. Ziba, and give them whatever you can. Ziba, help people who said, don't help me, leave me alone, I'm okay, I don't need you. And yet she reached out anyways. And she reached out with things that she didn't have. She reached out with resources she didn't have. She reached out to people who didn't want her help, who said, don't help me. And she helped them with resources that she didn't have. So, it's a different level of chesed, level of kindness. And she was successful. She could do it. Where did it come from? A friend of mine, Rabbi Savitsky, in Belgium, he and his wife were blessed with a child on the second day of Sukkot. They named their child Yaakov, Bar- Yaakov Baruch. They're very happy to have a child. Unfortunately, a day or two after the child was born, they discovered in his heart they had an issue. And they had to put him in the hospital. And unfortunately, on Simchat Torah, on the day of Simchat Torah, the child passed away. So it was very difficult for them. And reminded them of another difficult time they had in their life. Another difficult time they had in their life was after, shortly after they arrived in Belgium. Shortly after they arrived in Belgium, they didn't really speak the language. They didn't speak French. They didn't really know what they were, how to make headway and to do what the Rebbe asks all the emissaries to do, to go to, to new places and to share the Torah. And today it looks very glamorous. Today we look at, at, at the Rebbe's emissaries around the world. Oh, there's a rabbi in South Africa. There's a rabbi in Malaysia. There's a rabbi in Nigeria. It's very glamorous. But you're there and you're trying to roll up your sleeves and make it happen. It ain't, it ain't glamorous and it ain't easy. And it's very hard for them. And they, and they told the rabbi they want to quit. It's too hard. They want to leave. And never responded to them. You should use out the strength you have fully where you are. And there'll be more light, the light that comes out of the darkness. There'll be the light, there's light that comes a regular way. The greatest kind of light is the light that emerges from the darkness. So they stayed there. And all of a sudden, they put themselves into where they were. They knew this was the place that Hashem had sent them fully. And they put themselves fully into where they were. And all of a sudden, things started to grow. They started to, things started to flourish. Things started to happen. What changed? What changed was only in their approach. They realized this is the place Hashem had sent them. So Mrs. Savitsky said she was a teacher for many years, but after she, her children started to be born, she has Baruch Hashem, or many, many children, she stopped teaching. But she said to herself, 
I want to give the love that I have for my son, I want to give this love to other children. I want to go back to teaching. And because of the loss that she had, she ended up teaching thousands and thousands of students. Because of what she was missing, because of the love in her heart that she had for her son, she wanted to give it somewhere, wanted it to be used somewhere, she ended up using that love in a beautiful, beautiful way. This is the meaning of the story of Rabbi Akiva. What's the meaning of the story? Rabbi Akiva was someone who was able to see beneath the surface of everything. There's two ways to live life. One way to live life is to be successful and to be happy. And the other way is to be happy and to be successful. Rabbi Akiva sees a fox coming out of the Holy of Holies. What does he think? What do the rabbis think? The rabbis are thinking, whoa, it says in the Torah things are going to be terrible, but not this terrible. A fox coming out of the Holy of Holies? This is, this is beyond the description of the Torah. This is unbelievable. Rabbi Akiva says, Hashem makes the redemption out of the destruction. So if the destruction is to such an extent, that means redemption is also to the same extent. They explain what's the meaning of the fox. What's the meaning of the Holy of Holies? This expression in Farsi, it goes like this. Only the only us old-timers, only us old-timers from Yazd and from Esfahan know this. The Kashanians, guys from Kashan don't know. This is how it goes. Get your attention. Are you a fox? Or are you a lion? Shiri Yaruba. Are you a fox or are you a lion? You're supposed to say shir. You're supposed to say you're a lion. What's the idea of a fox? What's a fox do? A fox is a clever animal. But it's possible to be clever in a bad way. It's possible to be clever in a good way. The fox that walked out of the Holy of Holies, what does that mean? Last night in Yerushalayim, I was looking to remind everyone this story. What's a fox mean? Rabbi Akiva, the same Rabbi Akiva, was talking years before to another tzaddik, and they were talking about the Romans. The Romans said, no Gesari Torah, no Torah, stop, no Torah. Rabbi Akiva kept teaching Torah, kept teaching Torah, and another friend of his says, Rabbi, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? Teaching Torah is impossible, they're going to take you, they're going to kill you. Rabbi Akiva said, let me tell you a story. One time a fox was talking to some fish, and the fish are running to and fro. And the fox says to the fish, you know, our grandparents, Mama Bazorg, we remember back when all you fish were on dry land with us. Why don't you come back? Be like your grandparents. Like Babazorg, Mama Bazorg, come on dry land with us. Why are you in the, in the water? Why are you there? Why are you running? The fish said, we're afraid the fishermen are going to catch us with their nets. The fishermen are going to catch us. We've got to get out of the water. We've got to go to run away. So the fox says, come on dry land. So, so the fish shake the fox. They tell, they say you're the smartest of all animals. We're not smart at all. In the water, that's a place of our life. If we leave the water, it's a place of death. There's no way we can survive out the water. So the Kiva said, the Torah for a Jew is the life of a Jew. A tefillin for a Jew is his life. Kosher for a Jew is his life. A mitzvah for a Jew is his life. The Romans come and they say, 
Get out of the room so you can't study Torah. We keep it so without the Torah for sure we can't survive. The Torah is our water. So the fox is the one who tries to give all kinds of arguments not to show up to be your best self, not to have integrity. Not to leave a fox. So though a person goes through different things in his life and things get broken, things get broken in our lives, but nevertheless, in our holy of holies, in our holiest best place in ourselves, no fox can be there. The fox runs out of the holy of holies. The Bekiva says, the fox goes out of the holy of holies. We have parts of ourselves when we say, when your mother says to clean your room as a child, Ya Invar, Ya Unvar, Tachvipa, Roshan Kong, you may have the choice, you can tell your mother this, tell your mother that, you can try to get out of it, Tachvipa, Roshan Kong, Ya Invar, Ya Unvar, you, you want to get out of cleaning your room, you can find all kinds of things. But eventually you come to the deepest part of yourself, and when you get to the deepest part of yourself, there's no jokes, there's no, there's no, there's no explanation, you know who you are. In the Holy of Holies, there's no foxes. In the deepest part of ourselves, all the different kinds of calculations are, are, are chased away. There's no calculations in the Kodesh HaKadosh and the holiest part of ourselves. And so too in the world. It's an unbelievable thing. You think about it. We're about to do our vid, just two more minutes and we'll do our vid. Nachmanides says a, a, a historical fact a thousand years before it happened. Nachmanides says this, just like in ourselves, our Holy of Holies can't tolerate, can't tolerate Ruba, can't tolerate all kinds of wise cracks and wise things to dissuade us from doing the right thing. My Nachmanri says, Israel, which is like the Holy of Holies of the world, can never tolerate any other country trying to take it over. The Muslims, the Crusaders, all different kinds of countries, all different kinds of nations tried to take it over, but they all just all, all, all foiled. A few decades ago, Jewish people come to Israel, and it flourishes, and it grows, and it's amazing. But throughout history, everyone's jealous of the Jews. You have an amazing land, they want to take it from us. They come into Israel, and they try to take it, and what happens? Today was the day when Gush Katif, Rachmanul son, was taken by Arabs. And the Jews were there, what was it? It was a beautiful, beautiful garden. And the Arabs came, all of a sudden, it's Hamasan. It's something not the fault of the Arabs. It's, a, it's about the, the beauty of Israel. Israel only could take the Jewish people to our place, it's our home. And so to our holy of holies, our deepest self, can't tolerate any foxes. So on this day of the ninth of Av, Mashiach is born. We all have ninth of, ninth of Av moments. Just like unfortunately, God forbid, when someone passes away, it's a ninth of Av moment. It's a moment where you can't, you can't see anything else but darkness. You can't. That's like the ninth of Av. And yet, from the ninth of Av, Mashiach is born. From different things that happen in our life that we would never wish for, from those things the Talmud says, you can't see from the white in your eye. You only see from the black in your eye. It's only from different things in our life that are, that are the darkness that brings out a deeper, deeper thing that we never imagined would happen. Deeper things that, that weren't there before. This is true on a personal level for each of us that the challenges Hashem gives us brings out our best. But it's also true for a family and for a community as well and for all the Jewish people. Baruch Hashem, I had the good fortune this year to be very close to the family and to see Baruch Hashem, family sticking together, helping each other. Simchas, Baruch Hashem this year, Joanna got married and Jesse and Linda, Baruch Hashem, blessed with children. Baruch Hashem, there's a lot of brachas, a lot of miracles and wonders. So from the, from the challenge, instead of it breaking, the contrary, we see tonight 
the lights of Ziba inspiring all of us to be here tonight. Many of us don't usually come to the show to come and to be there and to be connected with, connected with each other. Hashem shut up us all and we should talk and celebrate in Yerushalayim with Mashiach. And even before that, God to Mashiach is delayed. We shouldn't get dissuaded by things in our life that we don't understand. We should stop and we should think, we should look and ask, what is the golden rule of divine providence? Why is Hashem bringing me to this point? What is Hashem asking of me? What does He see in me? What Mashiach does He see in me that I'm able to bring out specifically because of this challenge? L'chaim. 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 Right after our bit, we're going to do Kiddush Shavana, and then we'll have the um, breakfast.